J.R. Ward is the author I will most credit for giving me permission to put this darkness into my earlier work because I was scared because it, it literally, um, it kind of stuck with my head. I have a novel that I re-released and I, I swear, even to this day, I still want people to read that novel and ask me personally, what the fuck is wrong with you? Or are you okay? It was because I was reading Christine Feehan's Carpathian series or starting to read the Black Dagger Brotherhood. And I can't think of the character who mirrors him, but Sherilyn Kenyon's got a character who's really dark and really twisted. And there's a Black Dagger Brotherhood equivalent. And that's, again, it gave me permission to put this out there and try to give something else a happy ending. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Sasha Ilyevich is today's guest. I hope I didn't butcher that. I was saying it like 10 times before and and now I'm like, oh no, panic. I have to say the last name. Oh shit. All right, Sasha, who the publishing industry proclaimed the gentleman playboy of romance, started writing 20 years ago. His erotic romances have been listed under Night Owl Romances and Road to Romances recommended read lists. And he's been nominated for a Kappa by the Romance Studio. Recently, his novel, Torn to Pieces, was a USA Today recommended read. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Sasha is is a trained and experienced public speaker and enjoys giving talks and teaching, particularly on aspects of romance, erotic romance, and writing. He was the former host of the Unnamed Romance Show on Radio Dentata and is fond of doing guest spots and interviews on both traditional radio and podcasts. Sasha writes for City Lights Publishing, Red Sage, Secret Cravings Publishing, Sizzler Editions, Totally Bound, and Decadent Publishing. Welcome, Sasha, to Steam Scenes. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And here's the pisser. Three of those publishing companies are gone now. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it is not surprising. Um, no. They dropped like flies for a while over the past, you know, for the past couple of years. Red Sage is the one that actually was my biggest because that was for me a victory as far as like okay finally i'm a romance author because red sage doesn't publish erotica traditionally and when they when i got the email wasn't even that long ago like six months ago i was shocked i was like really y'all are closing y'all got angela knight why are you closing (laughs) and i guess they don't have angela knight anymore i don't know i yeah i mean i but a lot of the like the bigger um you know, the bigger publishing houses just went, to, what was the one that everybody, like it seemed like everybody wrote for, for a while. Um, um, oh shit. Now I can't even remember. Yeah. And I do know who you're talking oh, about. Laura's yeah. cave. Yeah. They bounced. Yeah. It's a funny story. So stupid thing. They actually tried to court me. I submitted a series to them. And then I was hemming and hawing on the contract because if you know about Laura's cave, you know, their contracts are generally geared towards the publishers. Right. Nothing wrong with that. If you're a veteran author, you don't take that shit. Tell me, don't right. play that. If right. you're a newbie, you take what they give you and say, may I have another, sir? 
So I'm going back and forth between one of the editors over the contract. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to wait on this. Just wait for a few minutes. I have another option I'm going to take a look at. And about a month later, everyone's getting their rights back. And the house is closing. And the owner is, well, we'll just say she's got her issues. Yeah, there was, I read, uh, there was a, I don't remember where, I almost feel like it might have been in the New York Times, like there was like a pretty deep expose on what was going on um, within that publishing house and kind of its rise and fall, you know. They were the ones that really put the ebook in people's hands. When you start to look at this industry from 20 years past, I've been writing for Slizu Editions for well, 20 years. They actually were first. Yeah. But the Lotus Cave, because this is the way that I've been quote-unquote, growing up in the industry. Y'all got real sick and tired of no sex. And y'all got real sick and tired of the bullshit and said, you know, we want some sex in our books. We want to see it. Right. And so Alora's Cave was the ones that, like, put it out there. It was like, okay, well, we're going to put these books. And they started going off the shelves. Yeah. No one knew what an ebook was. And all of a sudden, there's these, these stories that are really enticing and they're gripping and they're sexy. And women are getting laid and it's being shown. Because if I remember correctly, they predated Kindle, correct? Like you used to have to buy a download from their website. Yep. Right? Like it, they, they, they were there before. And I don't know how they were delivering um, the books. PDF. But if I remember correctly, it was they were doing Kindle. P- yeah, they were doing PDFs or um, some version of a digital copy. It's been a long time. and I mean, 20 years goes by pretty quickly apparently <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yes it does <laughs> they, were, they were securing they were securing pdfs um and they had other kinds of formats and then kindle when kindle came along and streamlined it all right that's when ec really took off and i and i, I i've quoted them a couple times over the years i have relationships with or i had with some of the editors over there um but it's been a very long time since I talked to them because I don't talk to too many authors online anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, Sasha, <clears throat> when did you? I mean, obviously, we're going to address the elephant in the room. Sasha's a dude writing romance and erotic romance and erotica, which is awesome. Um, and you're one of the few, or at least one of the few, that's actually out that you're not you don't, you know, you identify as male, you are not a woman or identify as a woman. Um, and so that, I think, is a really unique position for you to be in as a romance slash erotica writer. Um, but first, I want to know, like, what made you decide to be a writer? What, where did you sort of come to the craft? I'm bitter. <laughs> That's just how it is. So it's funny because years ago, I answered the same question for, oh, crap, someone who used to run the blog at HarperCollins. And I did some real serious digging about why romance. And given the nature of this podcast, you'll understand when I say exactly what it is. I wanted to get laid. <laughs> and I thought, I thought if I could just put this whole persona on. But to be fair, even going farther back than that, because 20-year-old Sasha is not very confident. 20-year-old Sasha is skinny. 20-year-old Sasha's got great blonde hair, but 20-year-old Sasha doesn't know his head from his ass. So 20-year-old Sasha can't go and approach a chick. 20-year-old writer Sasha, however, writes and publishes romance and gets paid for it. 
But going back Did... even further, in high school, I started my first romance novel uh, typewriter. Oh, and that's I... that's awesome. And life was just kind of shit at the time. Right. Um, just and it's nothing bad, like no traumatic anything like that. My just standard traditional teenage bullshit, divorcing parents, et cetera, et cetera. And I would escape into writing. Right. I had these two characters that I very much had based on myself in a fantasy of a woman I used to be in lust with in high school that um, she was going to fix him. Her mm. love was going to take care of all the jaded that he was sure to become. And so I just, I wrote. And then... Fast forward a few years later, I'm back in uh, Houston with an ex of mine, and I've gotten my hair trimmed, and my hairdresser and I were talking about this, and she's like, I said, I'm going back into tech, because it's what I know. And she said, you know, you talk about writing. I said, yeah, I do. I've written poetry for most of my life. I've written these little short stories. I had started a novel. Once I got a computer, I put this, uh, began putting this novel into a Word document. She said, if you want to write, write. And it's me, so I can't help myself. I was on some porn site, and I ended up flirting with the webmistress. And we were going back and forth, and we developed a friendship. We're still friends to this day, actually, even though I've already talked to her or anybody online at this point, outside of um, people I trade with or a couple I mentioned earlier. Um, and she said, if you want to write, here's what you want to do. If you want to write erotica, Here's some websites. And it was like, um, oh, I'm blanking. But in the, in the late 90s, some very well-known websites, Scarlet Letters. Scarlet Letters, and I can't recall who runs that, but she ran a website for a number of years, and she was doing these, these stories in quality. They were, yeah, you could you know sit there with one hand and read, and you're engrossed, not just because right. your hand is where it is, you know, even though... And I said, I can do this. She said, okay, we'll give it a try. And so I emailed a bunch of people, and I ended up joining the Erotica Readers and Writers Association. Excuse me. And that was an email list. that I'm getting 600 fucking emails a day. Because wow. it's all these, all these authors talking about, well, author stuff, how to write. They had it set up to where they would help you critique your thousand-person list. So they're helping you give you feedback on your stories. Your characterization could be better here. Your dialogue could be better there. Some you know rough edits, et cetera, et cetera. And they also had a list for market calls. And while I don't discredit my skill by any means, you're not going to find an author with a bigger ego than me. I will tell you, considering the direction I took, I got fucking lucky and i'm grateful every single day because i've been published since day one i didn't really fight. i didn't have to fight yeah that's not, really incredible i'm not making tons of money yet industry's changed so much but mm. from day one picked up and paid that's fantastic that's really fun and you know particularly i mean I can't, well, do you, do you categorize and 
you know, nobody likes to categorize their, your, their work, but do you categorize your work? Like, do you feel like I am erotica? I am erotic romance. I am romance, you know, and everybody has different, I'm finding, especially through this podcast, everyone kind of has a different interpretation of what those, uh, uh, what the boundaries are within each genre um, or, or, you know, segment of the genre, I guess one would say, like somebody's told me, um, I was talking to uh, an author a couple of weeks ago, who said um, she had been told that if you use the word cock in a book that you are automatically erotica. I said, I don't know if I believe that. That it's I really don't believe. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that I don't believe. I think you can use cock in romance and, and, and be okay and still be romance and not be erotica. Um, so I'm kind of curious, where do you categorize yourself? And also to you, what are the kind of differences between these? In erotica, the only plot the major one is the uh climax is getting those characters into bed in romance sex forwards the plot so to be brash because you've done your research and you know exactly who the hell i am if i'm just trying to take you to bed that's erotica us getting to bed that's erotica me learning the emotional necessities that we're going to go back and forth between that's when romance comes in. So the sex forwards the plot because right. you've got this character growth that happens. And, and what's funny about romance and the way that I was taught it from a number of people who've broken it down, we have um, men have uh, the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Romance is your equivalent because if you really, and it, it does differ between authors, obviously, I don't write a lot of female forward stories anymore. My female leads are strong will definitely. It's kind of my taste in women, but I'm not really as of late focusing on the heroine so much, but your traditional romance story is your fairy tale. And it's your journey from birth to maturity, to the pains that you're going to go through potentially with your father and how he's going to have an issue with that. Cause it's a little girl. And then when you become a woman, and all that sort of thing. And romance takes the emotional aspect of it and puts that at the forefront. Whereas you don't see that so much in sci-fi or fantasy. It's more about the journey, the struggle, those kinds of things. But I noticed with your, because as you said, you're writing this sort of like male-focused, male protagonist um, in your romance, which I think is really fascinating because I've just started to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone. I don't write dual POV. I've always done it as the heroine's point of view, a female point of view. And um, I discussed it with my editor and I'm really working on, you know, my work in progress right now. I'm layering in male point of view and it's fucking hard for me. I have a a class for you. So I was sort of, um, you know, reading, especially the selection that you sent me with keen interest, because I was like, this is really, and I mean, truthfully, in the male journey, I, I did not see much of a difference. There's still, there's still that layer of emotion there that is coming through on, on the male side, like, you know, of, um, and like, what did you, what you had said as a teenager, you know, writing out your, this, you know, this romantic fantasy because you're in a shit place in your life and, you know, sort of 
coming out of that through love through love or falling in love you know at least as you were writing the story which i think is uh, you know i think that's the like kind of the heart of romance right yeah yeah i mean you look at this you look at any single story that's done by a romance author and it's, it's that emotional journey because you look at the world around you without getting too too detailed into that it's pretty it's pretty dark right now for a lot of us yeah i like that darkness personally i'm a twisted sick individual I freely admit that, but a lot of people are not. So I can now tell you that with confidence, I can say this, I buy what I'm trying to sell you. Meaning for a very long time as a romance author, I was not, I was not convinced that I could be happy as a human being, but I could sure as shit try to provide you with a moment of happiness because someone should get it. If not me, somebody else should get it. So I thought, well, fuck, I can write. I get paid. Why not try to make somebody else happy? Right. You know? And that's just how that kind of came about for me. So in when we were in the the the, uh, the proverbial green room, as it were, um, <laughs> you had mentioned that you were a huge fan of Harlequin Harlequin Blaze's line, and um, you read a lot of their books. And I'm sort of wondering what drew you as a reader to romance. I think the fact that again, just being an unhappy human being. And I've always had a special relationship with the dark. So the Harlequin books didn't get that far. You have to, you have to really go into Christine Feehan's work or Sherilyn Kenyon's work if you're going to really try to start hitting the darker stuff. Or one of the authors, uh, Lori Foster, actually, has a pen name that she wrote a, a couple of stories under that were really, really just twisted. Mm. But I, I was unhappy with life. It's been very difficult for me in a lot of times because of the circumstances and it's not even things I can control. Um, I've read everything, you know, growing up, my mother had me reading regular children's books and I was a member of the library club and things of that nature and really liked reading. But I think what drew me to the blaze line was partially the sex. Cause I'm not going to lie. I'm a card carrying male <laughs> and I like sex, but, and this took a while to figure out. I need that emotional connection. I need it in my literature because everything else just fucking bores me. Like right. seriously, fine. Solve the crime. I get it. You're going to solve a crime in a, in a, in a murder. Movie. I get it. Solve the fucking crime. But dude, the chick is hitting on you. Bang her and take care of her or let her take care of you or you take care of each other. Something, you know? Right, right. And that's kind of what I can think of the best way to answer that question, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that, um, no, I think that that makes sense. And I also think that, you know, I, I it always kind of makes me smile when, when men say, you know, card carrying male, I like sex. And it's like, well, you know what? Card carrying women like sex too. <laughs> You know, we're just we're just supposed to be quiet about it. I think society has told us that we're supposed to be quiet about it, um, you know, about our desires and quiet about our um, our fantasies. Um, and that's where I, I, I think 
that is part of the reason why so many women are drawn to romance and also why Alora's Cave, for example, as we had talked about, tapped into, um, you know, a really critical market. Like women needed this, um, you know, because we do enjoy sex and it's okay for us to enjoy sex, but we still can't sort of like carry that paperback around, you know, on the subway or on public transportation or even in the office, you know? Um, I mean, humans are, humans are fucking complicated, man. You know? <laughs> I, 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 if, if it's been a while, I couldn't even say what these posts are anymore. Actually, I, I do know where a couple of these posts are. I got banned on Twitter like last year, but I had some posts up there from years and years ago where you'd see, because I, I mentioned to you in the green room, I'm a cigar smoker. And a lot of times I would go into a particular male dominated cigar shop in Pleasanton with a romance novel in my hand. Now it was paranormal usually because that's just what I tend to find myself reading most of the time. But I'm sitting there with these old, and I say old white men, it's a diverse group. It's just, they all act the same. But sitting there having a conversation about sports or this or that, and I'm not a sports guy. I I only know about sports because of the cigar lounge I used to go to when I was first here. Um, and I'm reading a romance novel. And yeah, you're right. You'd mentioned it. And what's funny about the way sex is perceived and what you're supposed to believe is a lot of these women who were writing these things were my age when I was in my 20s or they were older. I won't give too much away because it's not mine to do so, but Kate Douglas is... With all due respect to Kate Douglas, who's the author of Wolf Tales way back in the day with, I think that was EC? I don't remember offhand, it's been such a long time. But she was one of the pioneers in the industry. She was in her 60s. God bless. Putting that smut out. And it God was, bless. It was dirty. <laughs> it was nice. It was good. Horses I love the dirty, dirty. grandmas. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She didn't mess around. Matter <laughs> of fact, so the reason that even happened was because New York wanted her work. They just told her, got to cut the sex. No. That's correct. I did an interview with her many years ago, and that's what she told me. And I said, seriously? This is a. And the first Wolf Tales book is kind of brutal. Uh, it is paranormal romance, and it's a werewolf series. And the alpha male asserts his dominance to the beta male hero of the story in front of the female. It's like Damn. that. Yeah. Damn. And I don't mean an ass kicking either. Ass was involved, but I'm not, you know. Damn. Yeah. And again, this is a woman who, like many in, you know, who came before me, they were older women. They were tired of the shit in the generation, and they had an opportunity. And Alora's Cave, uh, Lucid, uh, Changeling, number of other publishers had come about and just knew how to work the marketing aspect of that. Right, right, right. You know, it's funny because the person who, though, is sort of credited for bringing erotica out of the closet is E.L. James. And I know she's gotten dragged um, for so many things, so many things, um, one of which included, um, you know, the BDSM in her books that she just wasn't knowledgeable about the scene and what she was putting out was dangerous. 
and so you know honestly i haven't read 50 50 shades um so i have no idea what's in the book and i am not part of a bdsm fetish scene at all so i wouldn't even know if she had gotten it wrong um but i know you teach a class on it for writers i do which i think is really fantastic um did you read 50 shades and were you like yeah she got this wrong i couldn't get through the first paragraph let okay pages <laughs> all right right okay and when when she because my problem and i gotta be very diplomatic about this my problem wasn't so much how do i say this without being a liar my problem was that there were so many authors that had come beforehand myself included but but there was authors like um i'm staring at her book right now and i can't see it some of the classic bdsm authors in the industry right. had been putting out quality literature quality bdsm with stories that, that took you on that emotional ride but also took you through proper techniques in terms of subspace or dom space or knew how to beat somebody properly without leaving that hurting them yeah duplicitous no it's not yeah. true you still hurt somebody well you hurt I've, but it's my uh, yeah. share of people <laughs> but they <laughs> but like it's a different sort of hurt <laughs> but they like it yeah <laughs> and and you know how to to take the person because you can't just sit there and pick up a frogger and beat somebody right there's a whole up and down portion of it there's a warm-up and a cool down and, and then some aftercare is given because both parties are going to be emotionally and mentally kind of rot after the fact and if you're not careful that can really turn bad okay. the last time i played with somebody here was a pet of mine and I flipped out after the fact. And I'm the one beating the people. And I don't, I don't think that the proper credit was given to people who came before E.L. James because she caught on a trend, found a way to maximize and monetize that, and still screwed it up. From what well, I, I think for her, too, it kind of was like right place right time right story right i mean it was it started as twilight fanfic and yeah. twilight was huge and um and so she sort of just patterned it on the success of um stephanie meyer's story it was stephanie meyer's that wrote twilight right oh my god i i actually couldn't get through it either my I brain just shut off at that point <laughs> no, I, I get it no i i could there are certain things i just can't read like i can't read ya Oh, that I'm, was definitely YA. Yeah. I'm a dirty old man. Right, right, right. No, I that was definitely I don't want 14-year-old you. I want 40-year-old you. you know? <laughs> and the 40-year-old. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I think I think older women get short changed often, so yay. <laughs> I, I can't speak too much of that. Just put it to this way. I'm proud of mine. Awesome. <laughs> So, so, you know, I mean, for people who are interested in writing about fetish, I mean, you know, what is the, what is the best way to research this? Obviously take a class would be enormously helpful, you know, in take how to write class. about this stuff, take your class. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, if people are, if writers are interested in exploring that in their work, I mean, where do they, where do you start? Would it be reading other people's books? Would it be like, how do you? You know, how do you even start digging into that? The author in question I was thinking of is Laura Antonow, by the way. Um, okay. And you would start with 
yeah, I'd say start picking up some things in the genre. You want to get the cadence of the genre down because there are certain ways that BDSM can be portrayed. I write BDSM one way. Uh, another author who used to be one of mine when I was editing heavily for Sizzler Editions is Margie Church. And her BDSM, because she's not a BDSM person. She's about as vanilla as they come. Her words, not mine. But she wrote some very fantastic stuff for us a couple several years back and got it right, partially because she had taken my class, but she did a lot of digging and asking. And you have to really not only get into the books, but then you can go on to sites like FetLife and just do a search on the history. Because BDSM comes from biker culture, which comes from gay culture, the way that I've understood it. Okay. And they all kind of have intermixings because of the leather and whatnot and a, more of a primal thing. But it's been a long time since I've delved into the history of it. But FetLife has a huge, huge, huge group thread on trying to document the history of where it all started. Why oh, that's we have cool. this, Yeah, it's totally cool. Uh, why we have the symbol we have for those of us that are involved in the lifestyle. Why we have certain protocols. If I told you, for example... I'm old, I was trained old guard. Some buddies of mine don't play that way. There's a difference in what that means in terms of how you respect the people in question, how you greet them, how you do certain things. I've broken all those rules. Uh, but you know the rules to break them. That's the you know that's sort of the important part. Short version of the long story. I thought I was a submissive slash switch, and then I realized no, I was being trained to be an alpha dom. And then Interesting. I got, yeah, and then I got tired of bowing down to anybody and said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I do what I want. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that it, the, the sort of takeaway is you knew the rules. Like, you knew the rules before you broke the rules. And I think that that's kind of, you know, I think the takeaway. And I love that you brought up Margie because, and saying she's, she's she, her words, is vanilla, as vanilla as they get. Because I think the, the idea is, like, you don't necessarily need to participate in the scene to write about the scene, but you do have to do your homework. Yeah. And Margie did her homework. She picked my brain. We had many numerous phone calls where I insulted her. We had many numerous phone calls. <laughs> my version of the story has me being involved with another woman at the time and Margie getting jealous because I stopped making fun of her. Aww. I stopped picking on her. Margie made the story differently. If you get a chance... Because she is a fantastic writer. She's had a lot going on in her life. But again, she can speak to that if you ever do have her on the show. Okay. She's, she's one of those that gets it. She did her homework. She picked my brain. She picked the brains of people. She went to Munch. I think she went to Munch. I don't remember if she did or not. But she jumped online into the appropriate people. She was on FetLife for a minute doing tons of research because you can't screw this up. No, you can't. You do this. You give someone the wrong idea. You can do some very, very difficult to repair psychological damage. Yeah. Yeah. And Margie, the stories I've read, the stuff I've edited of hers, she got it. So I think that's so cool. I think yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's cool that you teach a class. Like I'm just like, that's pretty fucking awesome. Um you know, and that you also teach a class about writing the male point of view. I think that that's great, too. And I think that these are important things that, you know, as writers, we absolutely need to, um, 
you know, need to address and need to look at and need to consider. I, I mentioned earlier about getting lucky, but I've also had a lot of industry kindness come my way. That's not always necessarily so common. Mm. I've had some big names tell me they were glad that I was writing romance. Diane Whiteside uh, was a, was a reader, an author I read starting in the genre many, many years ago. And she wrote BDSM too, I think, in her Texas Vampire series. And I got a chance to interview her and she and I were talking in this interview and she said, I know you from before this. I said, really, where? And she told me, Erotic Readers Association. She said, oh yeah, because she got big. I don't know to the extent anymore, but you get someone who's a USA Today bestselling author or you get a New York Times bestselling author sincerely, not just a pat on the head because they're the author and they can do this, but sincerely say to you, I am glad you are here. Yeah. That tells me when I get to there or on the way, I got to do my share too. And I'm happy to do so. And there's a lot of writers out there that, you know, y'all are married and you just ask your husband, honey, why do I, why is this what you do? And he just goes, man, that's not really an answer. It's, It's our answer. It works. I understand what he's saying, but you probably don't. And I figured out that Looking at this from the perspective of primarily the, the uh, uh, darker alpha male, the damaged goods, made sense. And as far as BDSM was concerned, I started playing in the lifestyle because I was trying to write it. And if you can play in the lifestyle or you understand it, then they don't give you shit for getting things wrong. In fact, sometimes they even give you money for getting them right. <clears throat> what do you think men can gain from reading romance not writing romance but reading romance honestly it's a good question i would say Because for me, it's all, all about the fact that, and I, in, in both genders, I can identify with, depending on how the author writes. It's about the fact that we're stuck in our heads for so long. You have to be, even still, to, it's 2020 for fuck's sakes, and you still have to be hard. Okay, fine. You put that public persona on. You go outside, and you be hard as you need to be. You go back behind closed doors with someone who's taking care of you, and you let them. It's a very hard lesson. And romance as a genre does a pretty good job of showing it when you have the fight, you know, between the characters because he's trying to take care of her and she is stubborn or maybe she's trying to take care of him and he's stubborn, you know? Right. right. And that getting to the ability to let, just for small minutes, and understand it's not actually a weakness. It's a weak moment, perhaps but it's not actually weakness. Weakness is going outside and doing the hard thing and drilling into your head that you have to do the hard thing. Right. And romance, you know, you've got, you've probably read Sherilyn Kenyon, yeah? Mm-hmm. I haven't read Archeron, but I was told when it came out, it was fucking brutal what happened to him for him to become the god of the underworld the way he was. 
Styx's book is out too, I was told as well. I haven't had a chance to keep up with that. I'm actually, the last book I read with Dark Hero was a Black Dagger Brotherhood book. And Wrath has got some shit to work through. Yes, he does. <laughs> and so do a lot of us. I can identify with the being the blind king because i legally blind. I can identify with that kind of thing for some reason in my own head. And he's got Beth to help, as tough as it is for him. And that's what we can get from that, I suspect. That, you know, I, I suppose that of males reading romance. Yeah, I, I, I had com- actually completely forgotten about J.R. Ward's Black Dagger series, and it makes total sense to sort of have the, you know, talk about that here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, you know, you think about it, and if you're going to look at the romance genre as a, as a whole, you know, we had, I got told years ago when we were last deployed overseas in, in the, the Middle Eastern countries that there were people who were glad to get, there were military folks who were glad to get Christine Feehan novels because she understood the alpha male mind in a combat situation. Because she either, hey, has a husband who has been in there, or she did her research. Or both. I or don't both, know. right. Right. So you've got... Um, I got a buddy of mine who teases me about this a little bit online because of my Opeth pack series, but he provided with me because he's got military experience and he provided me some feedback to help strengthen my characters when I had those situations. Um, and you don't, it doesn't have to be flowers and hearts and candy. It can be rough, dirty sex. that's angry and, and handguns and killing your enemy. Right. You know, right. 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 And I think that that's the, that sort of, which is why it's sort of also great to sort of bring up people like Christine or JR and sort of what they're writing, because I think that there is an assumption that romance genre, even if it moves to sort of the steamy, darker side, still is a lot of flowers. And actually, no, there are, and this is also women as well as the men writing it, um, can be very violent and can be very dark. J.R. Ward is the author I will most credit for giving me permission to put this darkness into my earlier work mm. because I was scared because it, it literally, um, it kind of fucked with my head. I have a novel that I re-released and I, I swear, even to this day, I still want people to read that novel and ask me personally, what the fuck is wrong with you? Or are you okay? <laughs> Do you yeah. need a suicide hotline? No, I don't. Fine. But I wrote that novel in a really bad headspace. And it was because I was reading Christine Feehan's Carpathian series or starting to read the Black Dagger Brotherhood. And I can't think of the character who mirrors him, but Sherilyn Kenyon's got a character who's really dark and really twisted. And there's a Black Dagger Brotherhood equivalent. And that's, again, it gave me permission to put this out there and try to give something else a happy ending. Because, again, right. I, I wasn't buying it. Right, right. That there is, you know, even through darkness, there is a certain degree of light that can come in. You know, because I think that that's sort of like the... I think ultimately every romance, no matter how dark is hopeful that's what we're trying to sell yeah <laughs> i mean seriously it's, it's it's this light in a dark spot 
Yeah. You know, not everyone has to go down. If you do any, if you do any really serious digging into my social media feed, I got some twisted posts up there that are a lot of times lyrical in nature because I listen to death metal. I listen to black metal. I listen to progressive gin. I listen to these angry, angry, angry genres. And every once in a while, Bad Buddy makes an appearance. <laughs> but it's rare. And at the end of my day, I have that cigar to look forward to. I have my trades. I'm an option trader. I have my love to go to bed with. Right. I have love coming to me that needs to remain the focus of my world. But for a lot of us, yeah, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to come out that way. Right. Okay. Well, I want to dig into, um, uh, the, the little bit, uh, that you sent me from your undo undead, blah, 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 sorry, undead souls, MC paranormal, paranormal romance series. And this is writing Tempest. Is that correct? I got the That's, title. Yes. And so uh, could you set up the story for us? Where are we at when, when we start this scene? We are in the uh, Kingdom of Fairy. I forget which court because I didn't specify courts in this particular storyline. Wait. Nope, I didn't. Um, <laughs> and we've got an MC that's a, a vampire MC. They want to get back to their realm and they can't get back to their realm without stealing these bikes that are due to go to the Queen of Fairy. So uh, Jonas... Yeah, Jonas used to be a crook in his former human life. Unlike half the rest of the MC who was actually royalty before they were turned, Jonas was a petty thief. Well, more like Lupin the Third, if you get the reference. So high-end artwork and things of that nature. Got it, okay. And he, they find the bikes. They understand the motorcycles can get them back. They got to steal them. Turns out that Jonas and Tempest uh, have a chemistry, and it's uh, unique. Now, is Tempest guarding the bikes? Is that is she sort of like this fairy enemy? Enemy is the wrong word, um, okay. and I can't think of Smokey and the Bandits. The closest I could come to think of as to what that is. She's actually a truck driver. Okay. She's just a fairy truck driver who's literally on the verge, once the queen pays her for these goods, she's good to go. She can retire, she can disappear off the grid, and she can live the rest of her days out in peace. Oh, I love that for her, actually. <laughs> I actually love that for her backstory. <laughs> I had a lot of fun writing it, too. She's a kick. She is a kick, this one. I liked her. I better grab a bourbon. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm gonna start reading a lot of these. Some of these are pretty short, but then I've got um, I get moving into some long sections. So um, I am taking this. I'm literally taking this for, from the top because I just absolutely enjoyed the the sort of opening sequence of moving into this erotic scene. Um, life slowly seeped back into his body, waking up his every nerve and all five senses. Jonas opened his eyes halfway, saw a mane's amount of hair in his face, and inhaled. The scent of cherry blossom joined the vanilla scent he'd grown fond of from Tempest, and it made him wonder where he was. 
I picked this out because I think that I loved the use of senses that you had through the scene, particularly scent. Um, and, and this just was kind of the start of it because it's really layered throughout the whole, you know, the whole piece. And I was sort of curious, like, how you layer this into your writing is is this something that you consciously do or is this something that just kind of presents itself as your it's just how you write and that's and that's where you where it is it happens now subconsciously as part of the process mm -hmm. but um i mentioned years ago that i mentioned i'm a cigar smoker i'm an alcohol connoisseur and by that i mean i'm not paying attention to those particular hobbies to imbibe and get fucked up I like all the sensory aspects of both. And a buddy of mine had said, your writing is really good, but where you're missing things, and this is like 15, 20 years ago, I guess it was, where you're missing things is these details. And I thought about it and thought about it and wondered, oh shit, it's because I don't notice them myself because I'm legally blind. So when I go to the store, I go to the shop or I go wherever, I'm focused on what's in front of me, directly in front of me. I can't drive right now, no no license. Right. Um, so I'm not gonna see the same things. If we go to the same cigar shop, you're gonna see different things than I'm gonna see. And she told me to pay attention to those extra details that I do pick up because I'm in it. And that's when it became part of what I do. In addition to, again, I think it was also, might've been Sherilyn Kenyon who I picked that up as well because she's gonna, Either her or Jared Ward had a thing for sense as well. And I can relate that. I cook. So I right. can relate that too. Right. Because I was like, wow, that's really great. Because I know for me, like, I really have to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> Go back. <laughs> Add this in. You're missing some stuff. You know, um, I think that, I don't know. Like, I think some writers, like, for me, I can pound out dialogue. Like, so like that's where I go first that's what I you know um but I was also trained as a playwright so I think that's probably where that comes from yeah um and so I always have to like go back and layer it so I'm really in awe when I when I sort of like something jumps out at me in terms of like the layering of the sensory sensory experiences and I'm like man man it looks so easy <laughs> it isn't it isn't I mean I got one author that I know who she writes straight through if she's got that draft down, then she then it gets to rest, and then she can go back and then layer. Whereas I do about the same thing, but I want to get it right the first time around. I'm a control freak. I'm a bit of a, and I know better about being a perfectionist, but I don't have shit first drafts. I hate the first draft they write. No writer likes their first draft, but I want to make sure I get those things in there up front because if I don't, I might not get it in the next round. In terms of your process, do you like sort of edit as you write then? Do you like write something and then go back and butts with it? Or or do you go very slowly as you're writing to make sure that you get it all down sort of the first time? I do stream of conscious. I plot heavily, but I do okay. stream of conscious. The exception to that was the last book I actually finished, which was probably earlier this year. It's the third book in the writing in the uh, Undead Souls MC series. There's a, uh, a scene that I based off of an old Sepultura song and a whole Sepultura album because the album itself is basically Sepultura's concept of Dante's Inferno 
and I felt really, really enamored by the concept of doing Dante's Hells and all that sort of thing and having a death metal band do it and do it well. And then I wanted to take that and put it in romance. With that being said, I wrote this scene where they go into, uh, in Dante's world, it's the dark wood of Ur. And I called it the same thing because people will know it. And I had to layer that. Okay. Because that particular scene, I wrote album on like serious repeat. And just repeat the song, repeat the song, repeat the song, stay in the dark wood, stay in the dark wood. Fuck these characters up, or fuck the male up anyway. Let him get so down into and layer and layer and layer. You want your readers crying when he's out because you want them to go, oh my God, she pulled him out of it. Thank God she pulled him out of that level of hell. So that I really worked at. But for the most part, I, I write straight through. Okay. Cool. All right, next little bit. Next little bit. He felt it then, the energy that animated the undead part of her stirred, coursing through her body with enough force that Jonas felt it. She turned around in his arms, eyes open. Her tricolored irises were now a shade of deep red. Tempest, kiss me. He smiled at the request she'd made in such a husky voice, then moved to do just that. Okay, this is romance. I read that. I said, this is romance. No doubt. This is romance. It's seducing the reader. And it's, you know, he's just even from that small little bit, I sort of got the sense of, oh, he's kind of fallen for her. Mm -hmm. Like we're moving beyond that sort of attraction, you know, physical attraction into something a little bit deeper here. And, um, and I thought that that was really kind of cool and slightly unexpected. Cause I kind of expected this to be more straight up erotica. And, and so I was pleasantly surprised when I was like, no, this is romance. This is definitely steamy, but this is romance. I haven't done erotica in like pure erotica. Oh, that's not true. I did a piece a couple of years ago. I ghost wrote a piece under the name Fukui-san, um, people who watched Iron Chef would get the reference. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was not supposed to put my name on it. I was just getting paid. And that was erotica. I actually took, because it was during the election, and I took all the uh, old white men politicians, and they just, they got out of politics, and they went and formed an MC. Oh, shut up. <laughs> So you, you think about that sounds how, ridiculous. I love it. That's the point. So you thinking about so that the heroines because it had to be like a younger woman, older man thing. So you get this like twenty something year old doing you know doing the headlights kind of girl who likes sex, blah blah blah, and wants to be involved in the S and M scene, and she's being seduced by not Senator Ted Cruz, but I had some of the ridiculous ass name for Ted Cruz <laughs> and Marco Rubio. <laughs> And I just, I put them all in this novel and she's like, you look familiar. Where have I seen you before? But you can't place them because social media is what it is. And that's the last time I actually wrote real erotica because again, I was going to paid for it. Right. Otherwise, right. I haven't written erotica in, in 15 years. 
Yeah, I guess on your from your bio, I was kind of expecting, you know, I was expecting more erotica than romance, and I was like, whoa, wait, no, this is romance. This is romance. Here we go. You know, I thought I thought about this too because I get this question of an element, and I think why why romance? And I thought, well, honestly, outside of every single story, that's not true. There are two that I've written in my entire career that are not necessarily happily ever afters, but just about every story that I've been paid for had a happily ever after or at least a happily for now right and i thought you know i i guess i really like this <laughs> guess i'm a little <laughs> <next> offer <laughs> shit all right <laughs> okay um okay here we go yeah so this is going to be a settle in kids this is going to be a little bit of a long uh, long stretch here uh, before you do continue i yeah. should actually mention that i forgot to mention this earlier Tempest is half fairy, half vampire. Okay, not- good. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I was wondering if she was, because I know, obviously, since I've read the scene, I was wondering, you know, who exactly who she was. And also, um, if, you know, when you had said that she was, you know, sort of working, like, I knew she was vampire, but then I wasn't sure about the fairy part. So, okay, cool. That's and she did, she did not get trained or get taught how to be a vampire. So she ends up her biggest problem with this. And this is what comes into the relationship aspect later on is she's when she goes to feed that side of her, she accidentally kills her victims and it bothers her every single time. Right. So this is why she's, she's really scared to death of her power. Really? Yeah. 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 This was okay. So this makes this even sort of more like poignant. To sort of, you know, because I, you know, I dance a line. I've, I have actually not written a paranormal um, romance. I write contemporary romance, but I, I write urban fantasy um, and totally. love, uh, you know, but, but, and there's romantic elements, but it's totally not, um, not any stretch of the imagination. So you're more like Yasmin Gellinorn's darker stuff or like a lot of Andrews? Um, I write... Uh, no, because it's funny. I think that I don't know that I am. My characters are kind of ridiculous. I mean, I think I trend almost more towards a Kim Harrison. Okay. Kind of where, you know, it's dark, but like my characters are kind of goofballs. No, that's that's because I, I got I got I was reading my share of urban fantasy about, well, uh, in 2013 and all the heroines were the same. They were all snarky. They worked for demons, blah, blah, blah. It was getting boring. And Yasmin Gellinorn, not being boring by any means, um, was one of the ones that pulled me out of that until life happened, and then I stopped doing all kinds of things. Yeah, no. I, um, I had a vampire witch character, and similar to this, actually didn't... Um, well, the reverse of it knew that she would be a vampire, turn into a vampire with different magical sort of like systems going on once she was killed. Um, And so the idea was she wanted to stay alive for as long as possible because she didn't want to be a vampire. Um, But then it turned out she was also part witch, which she never knew about. And so, you know, hilarity ensued. Um, But it was, it was fun writing. I was gonna, I, it ended up kind of being a trilogy and I was going to keep going, but 
I don't know. Like I tried to go back to it recently. I have like a 30,000 word outline, but it just wasn't feeling it. So I think I'm going to do a different series, but kind of set into that in the world. I always sort of had a spinoff series planned, but I was going to keep going. But now I think in the, in the first series, but I think I'm just going to go with the spinoff series now because it's kind of making me more exciting, excited. This isn't, isn't going to make any sense because I'm guessing based on what you said about my age comment earlier, that you're possibly a little wiser than me. That being said, Take it from the industry elder. Go where your heart wants you to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, and this was why I was like, you know, I wanted to incorporate other magical systems. And then, then I was like, well, I don't know. Now I think so. I think that that's kind of where I'm going as I'm going down this other route, which I'm, you know, pretty excited about. And I kind of haven't been really. I was a little burnt out on the urban fantasy for a bit and partially why I turned to contemporary romance and now i'm sort of i've been writing a lot of the i've been doing a series so it's been a lot of contemporary romance and i'm kind of like you know ready to go back to fighting not fucking yeah i get it <laughs> or i'm like i think i need some ass kicking not some ass so <laughs> let's go <laughs> okay i am ready all right let's do this in an instant tempest had shucked her bra and kicked out of her panties are you going to come here or am I going to force you inside of me? I love it. Whoa. He puts up his hands in joking surrender. Not even dinner and drinks first. I have an idea. You be drinks. I'll be dinner. Her lips curled into a wicked smile. The glint in her eyes spoke volumes about intent. If he didn't act on his body's natural desire, she'd make the decision for him. Life was hard sometimes. Shaking his head, Jonas fell on top of her, his cock pressing against the warmth of her flesh. He caught her lips again. The press of soft skin against his hard body made his vampire desires kick in, fueling his lust. Reaching between them, she grabbed his cock and gave him a solid pump. He groaned into another kiss, dueling with her for control while she had him in her hand. Spreading her legs beneath him, she helped position him at the entrance to her heat. God damn, you are so hot, Tempest. You ain't fe felt nothing yet, outlaw. No, I... She cut him off with a pair of fangs clamped down around his throat while her hips arched up pushing him past her entrance. Unable to control himself, Jonas jerked into her heat, groaning louder at the tightness clamping around his cock. Tempest scraped her fangs over his flesh without sinking in. Bearing his own fangs, Jonas freed himself from her grip and claimed her mouth once more, surrounding her with his arms and holding her in place while he drove into her. She moaned, her legs wrapping around his waist. Moving a hand to cup her ass, Jonas tilted her hips up slightly, improving the angle and driving deeper inside. Crying louder with each thrust, Tempest's head lolled back, eyes wide and glowing, the brightest shade of red he'd ever seen. Now is not the time to be thinking about whether he'd fucked any other vampires or not. Her muscles gripped him on every thrust inside, shaking control from him. Thoughts strayed and vanished until the only thing he felt was the steady movement of his body grinding against hers, his focus solely on the increasing loudness of her screams. He tore himself from their kiss and bared fangs. She gripped his shoulders, yanked him against her, and sank her fangs into his neck. Jonas pumped harder, faster, letting the fog of vampire magic ease the pain from the bite into pleasure while she drank from him. I absolutely loved how you threaded the eroticism of a vampire bite into this erotic moment. Um, the bite actually became as sensual, I think, as the act itself. Um... I felt like, you know, he wants something from her. 
and he's willing to steal it, which I guess now knowing the, a bit more background on the scene, it has to do with the, with the, the bikes. Partially. And I'm getting the, the sense that he's ambivalent about that. And I kind of loved how it was translated into this moment between them, how that was kind of written in to this moment. Does that he make needs, sense? It does. He needs something else from her too, actually. He needs her fairy knowledge because he's got a sick sister. Oh, okay. And she's in fairy too, and he wants, truth be told, he can take the MC or leave it. It's really for his sister. Yeah. Like, he likes the camaraderie and all that sort of stuff, but he's he's really more invested in, in um, his sister's life. Right. But it's almost like he's ambivalent to take whatever it is that he is looking for that she has. That's fair. There's like an ambivalence there I sensed from him. Yeah, that's definitely fair with Jonas. He's he's not so fully vested in, in Jack and the Bikes, especially after they get on the road and shit starts happening. Yeah, and it just seems like, I guess, I guess there was an undercurrent of him not being comfortable with not being honest with her, if maybe I'm reading into it, but that was nah, like kind of what it said to me. No, nah, you're on the right path. Okay. All right. Cool. I mean, and that's kind of amazing because I just have this bit, like I, I haven't read the full book um, or the full story because you said this was an anthology. So was this a novella or was this a, a full length? It's actually a full length. It was part of a like seven or eight author box set that okay. I Love Vampire Novels put out. And we, it was out for like two and a half months. We made our money and they pulled it back and gave, gave us the rights back. Okay, cool. And, and you I, said I, you're, you're going to put this out again, right? You're going to read Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have two more in the series. And I actually, without giving too much away, I really, really like what I did with the entire trilogy because of how all this really started. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty cool. Like, I've, as like with my urban fantasy, like, I don't even want to touch the fairy realm because that magical system is so goddamn complicated. So when anybody writes in it, I'm like, there. And I'm like, there for it. But I want nothing to do with it as a writer. <laughs> oh, my oldest, because I've got, I've got names and characters and books that are non-standard because my international background is Hungarian so I've got a series with a bunch of Hungarian characters whose names I can't pronounce um, and that sort of thing but the magical aspect of things as far as fairy is concerned I keep telling the oldest the older girlfriend I said if, if I don't get this right I'm gonna get blasted for this yeah I don't want to get blasted for it so let me do as best I can to get it right I kind of yeah. screwed up here I think in, in this series but I don't care anymore as much and, yeah, uh, it just it's complicated. Do. It's fairies. Yeah. Fairies are complicated. It's a complicated magical world. I've got a series I'm working on, uh, the second book in right now, where I've turned fairy into a cyberpunk hell. Ooh! Imagine Hitler's Third Reich and Ghost in the Shell meet. Oh, that sounds really cool. Cyberpunk um, fairy. I'm kind of digging that. Do you is the first book out or is it are are you holding it until you're ready to like do a rapid release? I'm in the middle of some crazy ass bullshit in my own head that I can't get past right now. Oh, okay. Otherwise, I understand the second that. book would get finished by now. Um, but the first one is definitely done. I've rewritten it 
uh, from the ground up back in 2015, 16 when I got here. And in the second book, I'm trying to layer more of that, especially because it seems timely, that whole Third Reich Hitler's BS thing. So my girlfriends have to clear my browsing history should I disappear accidentally. <laughs> um, on that aspect of things, because the ultimate goal of my hero and heroine is now to dismantle said Third Reich version of fairy and restore it back to nature. Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. I, I got, I kind of, I'm really loving the concept. I got to throw out the magical rules because no, no, no more does magic exist anymore. It's all mechanics. Right. Look like standalone complex. If you've ever seen Ghost in the Shell, actually, I haven't. I've seen only standalone complex and the second act, but I based it very heavily on that because it was fascinating and it hadn't been done, at least to my knowledge. And why not? Very cool. Very cool. Okay, one last little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, it is the last one. Okay. His balls slapped her ass with each thrust, and he held her tighter against him, aiming to drink from her with as much desperation as she displayed. Tempest continued sucking on him, ramping up the sensations in his body and making him feel lightheaded. He forced himself from her jaws and ignored her hiss while pistoning himself inside her. Harder, faster, deeper he pumped until she cried, and her head slammed back against the pillows. She arched upward, giving him one last squeeze that sent him over the edge when her orgasm hit. Trembling against him, her nails dug into his flesh, ripping at skin and causing the most delicious pain he'd ever felt from a woman. See, this was where I was like, God damn it. I need to write for, like, if I was writing from a guy, a male perspective, it... Like, I don't, I would, I would not be able to, to give the reader this experience. And I think I'm not a guy. I don't have balls. I have no idea what happens, you know, and I thought, and it was not something I would necessarily be thinking about as, you know, as I'm writing the scene. And I was like, well, of course, like what's going on with your balls as a dude, like, you know, and even writing it from a female point of view you know, a woman would absolutely feel that. So I think that there's so much that we can learn from male writers. And honestly, I wish more of them were out because I know that they exist in the genre and a lot of them are using, you know, women identified names when they write, because I do think that we can learn a lot from each other because our perspectives are really, really different. It surprises me the number of women I have to tell a man does not stay hard 24-7. His penis may be 8 inches or 6 inches or whatever the fuck when he's aroused. But just a basic thing like that. Right. I mean, you married, you got kids, you probably know this already. You know, it's common among people who have lots of sex. Or it should be. But a basic fact like that. So... Don't even get me started on the emotional aspect of things where, yeah, and and you're going to get a bit of a different spin from me because of how I view the world and how honest I tend to be with that viewpoint versus a lot of other men who will just play it off and try to be cool. And I'll straight up tell you, this is the reality. And sometimes that hurts to say it 
because it could be construed as digging up my own masculinity, but uh, I've told the younger lover numerous times, you know, if I can't pick on myself, the fuck good am I? <laughs> but yeah, you need that perspective from, from both genders to to really get get in with it, to put you in that head, because maybe you don't identify with the heroine of the story. Maybe the male is more your speed. Maybe the way right. he thinks is more your speed. Maybe the way he has sex is more your speed. Right, right. You know? And I think I can't, I was trying to sort of remember when I had, if I had ever read a sex scene from the male point of view. And it's you rare. Probably, you probably have more often than you think. Not like, it wouldn't be like every third book kind of a thing, but there's there's quite a number of us out there. I'm not the only game in town. Um, I'm only going to say that one time. Ego and all that. <laughs> but I think I was like, you know, it is rare though. It, it's definitely not something that um, that a lot of writers do. And, you know, like I said, I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone just to write a male point of view. I don't know that I feel confident enough to write that point of view while they're having sex because it's just so out of my wheelhouse at the moment. And I need to, like, it's hard enough for me to get into like that sort of male persona just with like going down the street and getting a cup of coffee. Like I couldn't even dig into it with the emotional layers that need to go in with crafting a, an intimate scene. I'm like, yeah, I can't do it. I can barely write intimate scenes between, you know, on the, for the female point of view at this point. <laughs> It's it's a little difficult um, to to really you know get into this as as uh, some of, as they say because if you're not if you're not really in touch with you I think is what a lot of it boils down to like I know how I'm intimate the biting thing is actually a big thing for me I I, I have to be very careful otherwise people will bleed right and um, can't make that happen all the time. I try to channel my intensity into my stories. So while this is not an example of how I would have sex per se, this is an example of the kind of intensity that my characters display. And you know, they always tell you, and this is bullshit advice, but it's true, write what you know. Right. I know intensity from this perspective. I've paid enough attention to what I would consider initially my own flaws. And that's where it kind of comes from, I guess. I think that that's sort of, you bring a good point, like with the right, what you know, like that, that makes me a little, like when I hear people say that, it makes me a little like, yes but and then I like how you kind of said I know intensity okay now it makes sense so you that's where you're kind of writing from but I do think the right what you know can be a little tricky because then we just if we all just wrote what we knew the world would not you know I think part of what draws us to being writers is this curiosity about the world around us and being able to explore other other things that we might not know and learn about it and then tell those stories, right? I told, the last time I taught a class live was for an RWA chapter in Detroit. And they okay. had a little five minute interview 
before the class to pump the class up and whatnot because they were paying me to come out there. I mean, they, they spent thousands of bucks to send me out there. And one of the things that I told them about this, because I, I always get this question, you know, you've been around for 20 minutes or, 10, or 20 years, you get this question. What advice do you have for writers? And the advice I always say is, yeah, write what you know, but here's the reality of it. You, as the romance author, you as the author to begin with, but you as the romance author are the truth of the world. So share it. Because we need your voice, first of all. And second of all, you're going to have a perspective on a situation or an incident that's going to be different from mine. You put 10 writers into a room. You know this. You put 10 writers into a room. You give them all one same idea. I want you to write about this particular anything. Right. You can get 12 different stories. Right. Right. So it works out in the long run. We did Sa this. <laughs> Sasha, where can, uh, where can listeners find you? I'll have to get you the Amazon link right now. I do update my website occasionally um, more with long form posts as of late at sashailiabichauthor.com. And then I can get you the Amazon link as well. I'm on Facebook, but I troll. I was on Twitter, but I got banned. I'm on Instagram and Pinterest. I think Instagram is Sasha Ilyevich, and Pinterest is my lingerie fetish. Yeah, go with the Amazon link. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I'll have that in the um, in the show notes uh, for people that might wanna check out what you're doing so sasha thank you so much for doing this i appreciate you being here and sharing your perspective it's been really uh, cool i appreciate getting to be a ham so <laughs> excellent thanks so much my pleasure i hope you enjoyed the episode sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks and don't forget to five star us on apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts thanks for listening see you next time